And I'm so glad you asked me to introduce our daughter, Carrie Ailes Estes Johnstone. She is um, married to a young, wonderful man and uh, is the mother to three of our very cherished grandchildren. Uh, she's just doing a great job being wife, mother, and daughter to me. Thanks, Mom. You are, I'm a three on the Enneagram, you're a two on the Enneagram, and I would say growing up, you were the quintessential mother figure. Um, meeting my needs before I realized I had those needs, um, probably flexing my independence a bit when I wanted to make my own lunch or fix my own breakfast, um, which I can't imagine my children doing right now, but I think that was me and who I was, and that was probably hard for you to give me some of that independence and to not meet those needs as I think about it right now. You were always very supportive of me and my activities. And um, if I forgot something at school, it seemed like it was your joy to bring them to me. Um, I know you would have taken me to school every day, but I chose to want to ride the bus or to find a ride with friends or to do those things. And I probably didn't let you mother me as much as you would have been willing to mother me. I think uh, going off to college, I um, remember coming home that first time. And as your story goes later, you didn't really know what my favorite foods were and how much you wanted to create my favorite meal when I first came home. And, you know, maybe that's a vision into it's hard for people to really get to know me. I don't know. And some of the things about me, but how you would have wanted to make that meal and feel, fill that need. And I think as um, adults and, or as I've been an adult and growing up, you started learning the Enneagram right when we started having children and you set up boundaries that you had never had before. Oh. Um, surprised you didn't it really surprised me because you would have been the first one to raise your hand and say let me keep the child so you can go to work so you can go to yoga so you can go get your nails done and all those things that I had become good at taking care of myself and doing some of those things for me that uh, the space for a child I thought would probably have been filled with your help um, so that was a big realization. And since then, I think those boundaries have been oh so good for, for all of us. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, I know the two of you in the context of Enneagram work, mostly here in Richmond, but Jean, you've come to Dallas some. And I have so much respect for us, Jean, <laughs> and any other parents who are willing to be in the room with their adult children and do the kind of work that the Enneagram requires. And, Carrie, I have so much respect for adult children 
who are willing to listen, first of all, to what their parents are interested in, but then to come. I've, I've been with y'all now for three days here teaching in Richmond, and I, I, your family sits at the same table while I'm saying very challenging things to and about all of you. And that is courageous because there's an awful lot of um, game playing that goes on in families where uh, conversations about hard things or how you might grow or what you might do are, are said in the absence of the person that needs to grow in that area. So I've come to love all of you and respect all of you. And I'm grateful for your willingness as a mother and daughter to spend some time with me today talking about relationships because uh, mother-daughter relationships are really, really tricky. And I, as I listened to the two of you, thought about the fact that particularly you, Carrie, you um, introduced your mom in some ways with what you've learned since the event. Mm -hmm. So I, too, had some boundaries when my daughters, who are my the two oldest of my four children, had babies. And they thought that I was going to be the same kind of grandmother that I was mother. And I think it's tricky to be raised by a two mother who then has some personal growth in her life that changes the rules of the game. And you alluded to that, but you didn't talk about it much. And I, I wonder if you'd be willing to. And I, before you do that, though, I, I want to say to everybody who's listening, there's a big gap in mothers in the dependent stance, ones, twos, or sixes, but particularly two mothers, mothering aggressive daughters. And as a three, you're in the aggressive stance and so there's a disconnect that you all have to bridge that's helped by the fact that your numbers are right beside one another, but there's still a big disconnect that you have to bridge. I'd love to hear y'all explore that a little bit, and I'll chime in. Okay. I think since I repress feelings um, and currently having a daughter who does not repress feelings and how that makes the conversations that she has with me easier. I can see mm. how raising me would have been hard to talk about feeling things or serious things on a heart level with me. I think you're right. I think we probably didn't have a lot of those conversations, but there were some things about your being a three that made raising you particularly easy. Yeah. When um, I was expecting your little brother, you were three and a half, and um, I was. It was summertime and it was hot, and the last place I wanted to be in the afternoon was at the swimming pool. And pretty quickly, you realized that I was going to make an excuse every afternoon and got, not go to the swimming pool, and that became your goal. Now, all of that was unspoken. Between you and me, we never talked about it. But one morning you got up and you said, um, Mom, I need to know all the things you're going to do today. And you wanted a list. And then you said, we're going to get them all done before two o'clock because we <laughs> are going to the swimming pool. Now, this is what you did when you were 
three. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, you're making plans and your organizational skills um, helped me as a two, I think, because being... I'm so flexible and I so am in the moment and I'm so what's right in front of me that um, I think a lot of the things that you wanted to see happen, you had to sort of take charge of. And even in the moment when you were three and a half years old, I realized that you were different from me, that you were going to be organized and you were going to see that things were done. Um, it was really easy um, to parent you in the first, particularly in the early years, because you were a child who wanted to please your parents. And so if we put a goal out there, you reached it. And you didn't require very much of us uh, for you to reach that goal. Uh, school came easy to you. You wanted to please your teachers. So, um, can I, did everything. I want to ask mm -hmm. a question, Carrie, mm -hmm. do you look back on that as wanting to please your parents and as wanting to please your teachers, or do you look back on that as wanting to be successful? I think as a child, pleasing them was successful. Okay. So they go hand in hand. I think that looking back on my childhood with some of my memories, I think without truly feeling what I was thinking and doing in the relationships, um, it was a successful childhood, but it was person. I was personable, but not personal. Okay. So let me talk about that a minute. So everybody knows what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So an Enneagram teaching about threes, or at least one of mine is, that threes are personable, but they're not personal. And I'm I'm just aware, Jean, that you and I as twos lead with personal. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes people are uncomfortable around us, maybe particularly our children, when it feels like the response is supposed to be personal. Hmm. So my children are an eight, a nine, a seven, and a four. And the way they've managed me being personal and not wanting to hurt my feelings, but not wanting to pay back, not wanting to give me what I'm putting out, mm -hmm. I, I, I think the aggressive numbers, the three and the eight, I mean the seven and the eight, figured my seven and eight, figured out a way to give me just enough to keep me at bay, sort of. And mm -hmm. I think all that was intuitive. I don't think it was mm -hmm. a thought-through process. But it was like, I got to give you something. Mm -hmm. But always they were holding back. Mm -hmm. um, some of the important stuff. Mm -hmm. Some of the uh, some of the things that really mattered to them. Is that true for you? Yes, the true um, what's truly on your heart is maybe being held back. Yeah. And I, so I think that between a, a mother who is not a three, a seven or an eight and children who are three, sevens and eights, I think they hold back feelings because our emotions are so big. So let me define mm. that for the listeners too. Okay. 
So for me, in, in my language and teaching, feelings are internal and emotions are external expressions of internal feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think for those of us who are in the feeling triad or the heart triad, sometimes our feelings are so big that we can't express them. So we just have big emotions. And I think when our emotions are too big, it's hard for other people to put feelings on the table. Does that ring true to either one of you? Or What I have found is that when I do have vulnerable um, time periods and I'm really um, expressing feelings, mm-hmm. it is short-lived. I can't sustain that. And... Um, not so sure of family, but with friends, friends may expect that the next time or, ex- or what's funny is now they feel like they have an emotional connection to me and it was great in the moment, but I kind of wanted that to be it, form that, be deep with them, but then to sustain that level of intimacy, especially with Feeling like a three, I have lots of groups of friends and lots of different things. And I'm realizing maybe with some Enneagram work that my circle will need to be smaller to be more intimate. That's very interesting. Because it, it would be impossible. It puts that, um, it's very unnatural. I love trying to be personal with people, but then it doesn't, I can't sustain it. Yep without a lot of work. And I'll have friends who will remind me of these deep moments and these deep stories we shared. And I honestly don't remember them. Oh, the, my sharing, I know I was sharing. Um, and I think that goes to whether am I just sharing enough to give them what they want or truly. And I want to be truly, there, but I feel like it, I have to pick and choose a little bit more carefully. And I want my family, obviously, to be part of that circle that I sure. choose to, to do that. But so, Jean, because we're both twos and we're both about the same age, I'm older than you are, but not much. It's so interesting because when she said, you know, I can't sustain sharing feelings, mm-hmm. my immediate thought, and I want to know if it was yours, was. Man, I can't sustain trying not to share them. Oh, absolutely. And because I had so much to share, quite frankly, this was, I can't believe this was coming out of my daughter's mouth, that she didn't share her feelings and her stuff with me. It never occurred to me that she wasn't giving back to me what I was giving her because I didn't know the Enneagram. And so um, I really... I didn't realize there was more that she could have, should have, would have shared. Yeah. Now, there were some could have, would have, should have about activities and things like that. Sure. But as far as her feelings, um, I thought I, w- I thought I was getting most of that. Yeah. I did think I was getting most of that. And when I wanted some information, I just made arrangements to carpool with one of her friends who was a tell-all everything kind of person yeah, you and me uh-huh. and so you know I'd have the two girls in the car and the other I'd start asking questions and the other girl would answer them but um that doesn't have anything to do with feelings but 
Oh, well, actually, that's I a good it, mom tip in general. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, yeah. It's like you want information, carpool. You'll get yeah. it from the friends. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, from the right friends. Some friends are more willing to share than others, but we had a really sweet little girl that was willing to share lots of lots things, lots yes. and lots. All right, so um, uh, you and I have talked before, Jean, about the fact that we're very thankful for the relationship we have with our adult daughters, mm-hmm. and uh, now we both also have. A, a growing relationship with daughter-in-laws that we mm-hmm. love very much. Mm-hmm. What what do you think between the two of you as very different women? There's a big difference in women who are twos and women who are threes on the internet. So what do you think is is one of the things that sustains your relationship as a mother and daughter? And mm-hmm. what do you think is Adult, mother and daughter. And what do you think is one of the things that's threatening to your relationship as adults, mother and daughter? So I'll give you an example mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that I've kind of just figured out recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I um, Perhaps because I'm an adopted child, I, I, I don't know about that. It, I don't know what's adopted and what's tunis and what's all sure. that. But my relationships with my children mean so much to me and I uh, I value them so much one of the things that I've just learned uh, about my daughter Joey who is 39 and an 8 on the Enneagram is that she can't accommodate me being needy she can accommodate my needs Hmm. but if I'm needy I need to go to a different child And that taught me to start looking at what are the gifts that the children have to give me across the board, each one a different gift as different Enneagram numbers, and how aware can I be of going to that child to get that need met as opposed to just the one that's the closest or the one I happen to be on the phone with or the one that's the oldest or the one that's female or... um, Let me give you the... Yeah, come on. Okay, so I feel like um, I call my mom, you, at least most days, but at least every other day. And because I think I'm calling wanting to hear about feelings or to talk about feelings, but what ends up Mm -hmm. coming out is scheduling and planning and how what we have on the calendar and what we need to be doing or um or something that is a feeling but it's not related personally to our family so i'm evoking a feeling about it but it's never it's rarely mom i feel like this or mom what's going on in your world or if i ask that question you give me planning and doing and thinking things and you don't give me your feelings because I think you've been set up with me to not go to feeling level because I've kind of shut that down and not given you what you've needed on a feeling level and I feel with Mm sister-in-law who's a four she gives you the feeling stuff more well, as a two, I'm so busy feeling your feelings and daughter-in-law's feelings that most of the time I don't know 
my feelings. Um, so I, I, it's not that I'm withholding my feelings from you on the phone. It's that I haven't really thought about my feelings. I've thought about who needs what today. And so who needs what today leads me to what do you need me to do for you today? What's on the calendar? I want to be sure I've got what's on the calendar. Uh, I, I don't want to disappoint you. I want to, um, I want you to continue to need me to do certain things. And I guess my unconscious fear is that if I don't meet those needs in a, in an appropriate, concrete way, you're going to make other arrangements. Mm-hmm. Here you go. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't want that to happen. That's right. I'm afraid of that. That's I'm right. afraid she's so competent yeah. that, that she doesn't really need me to do the things that she asks that you ask me to do. I could come up do. with a different plan. You could come yeah. up with a different plan. And so I may be plan A and I'm afraid you're going to like plan B better. And so I don't want you to try plan B because then you might forget plan A. So that's it's fascinating to hear you use all that language around needing her to need you. Mm-hmm. So the the wisdom piece from the Enneagram is that the need for twos is to be needed. Unfortunately, it doesn't satisfy the great desire of twos, which is to be wanted. And if we, you and I, Jean, can't learn, to not need our adult children to need us, we cannot see that they want us. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the the smoke screen of what do you need me to do? When do you need me to do it? And how can I meet that need? Keeps us from the moments when they just want us. And, and I, you know, I, this isn't therapy. We're having an anagram mother-daughter conversation. <laughs> and I want to be real clear about that. But what I, what I because I have an aggressive adult daughter, what I hear Carrie saying is, I don't always call because I need you. Sometimes I just like to share a feeling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that puts the burden on us as mm-hmm. the mothers and as twos, again, to be sure we got up that morning and did some kind of work on ourselves so we have some clue of what we might be feeling that's mm-hmm. just about us. Mm-hmm. It is... um it's so interesting to me how in family relationships we keep asking from the other for what the other really needs mm-hmm. and we don't even know we're doing it. We intuitively do that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead. What you got? Um, I wanted to say something really quick. I've told the children, or particularly Carrie, that I want this on my tombstone. Mm-hmm. Um, when her Travis was two years old, they had planned a big birthday party at the SPCA and there were going to be a lot of little two year olds there and she was going to need every hand on deck. Mm -hmm. And I woke up that morning sick and I couldn't go. And I thought about, well, should I go anyway? She's counting on me. I can't let her down. Should I go anyway? And then as a two, I came back to the fact, I can't go. I'll make all these people sick. I have got not to go. So I did not go. Um, the next day, she called me and um, to, to tell me about the birthday party. And, I, and immediately, I started apologizing for not being there. I know you were counting on me. I know you needed me. I know that that you thought I was going to be there and I was going to have 
hands on at least two of the children. Uh, I am just so sorry. And she interrupted me. And she said, Mom, I had plenty of people to help. I missed you. It didn't feel like a family celebration because you were not present. There you go. And so nobody has ever said before nor since, nobody (laughs) has ever given me a moment ever in my entire life Uh of being wanted more than what she gave me in that tiny moment. Yeah. That was she wanted me at the birthday party because... I'm her mom and she loves me. Yeah. And I, I mean, that sustains me some days. Sure. I think there was a day, one day. <laughs> there was that, that day she needed There me. was that day <laughs> she, she wanted, wanted me. me. She, and see, that's a perfect story about the fact that the, that our desire is to be wanted. Mm-hmm. Our need is to be needed. Because we don't think you're going to want us if you don't need us. And that's just a two walking mm-hmm. two territory. It doesn't have anything to do with being a two mother or a two female twos. Literally believe that. So I you, do have. Right. So one thing is um, confusing, though, when wa- you wanting to be the you know the A plan, but then we have all these boundaries, and I want to respect the boundaries, you know, that you've set up as far as hmm, some with the kids. So I think that's when I keep suggesting I want you to come to me with a plan for taking the kids and it doesn't always need to be within my plan. So just a thought on when you're trying to be plan A, I'm very quickly to say, but I can make another plan if you don't, because I want to respect that you and dad have a life too. And you know, have things going on. So, and I, um, yeah. So it's so good because for ones and twos and sixes to set up some boundaries, and then kind of make the statement, you need to, res- you know, I-, I need you to respect my boundaries. And then when they do, not just our children, but other people, when people do respect your boundaries, then you think, wow, this is really very scary. Mm-hmm. This is a very scary thing. It's, I kind of wanted to be in charge of playing that card or not playing that card, <laughs> right? It's a, it's a very scary thing. And yeah, I think if other people don't respect our boundaries, then we lose them fairly readily. Hmm. Hmm. So people who don't have boundaries are hurt and threatened by other people's boundaries. So what what we have to know, Jean, is that when we put up boundaries with aggressive numbers, they get that. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good for you. It doesn't it, it doesn't change their affection for us or it's like, yeah, you go. Yeah, you go get your hair done and exercise today. Good, you know. That's that's fascinating, mm-hmm. isn't it? It is fascinating. Okay, mother daughter, what um, what would you say, Carrie, to uh, other daughters of two mothers that you think you have learned about your mother that's the most helpful to you? And continuing to embrace her and put up with her tunis. Tunis has to be put up with. We like <laughs> it just does. Hmm. So any number putting up with a two mother. Yeah. What's it like? Just what's it like? Do you think? What what's a hint? It's giving of themselves of um a lot to others. It's being at gatherings where 
I think before you did Enneagram work, you showed up and put on this personality that was feeling everybody's feelings and interacting. And you had this over the top personality that I've commented since you've learned the Enneagram, you almost seem more withdrawn at parties. So I would say growing up, I just thought that was who you were and you were the life of the party. And since I would say you can still get in a very animated conversation and engage with people, but you're not as, um, as the life of the party. So that has been a shift um, that I've seen. I would say, um, I always say that going shopping uh-huh. with um, my mom is um, exhausting. And I have a lot of energy. Yeah. But everyone needs to talk to her during a day of shopping mm-hmm. for their opinion, oh, yeah. for what they're thinking in the line to check out for um, how this shirt looks in the dressing room, how these shoes look on the floor. And by the time we get in the car to go home, I have spent a lot of energy just being around that much feelings, I think, about things. Yeah. Um, you know, Joel travels with me some now, our son Joel, and, and he's a, an introverted seven. And I kind of came up with this new rule that I was just so tired of silence in elevators. I was just going to start talking to everybody in an elevator. And I, I I did that two or three times with him. And he looked at me just longing. And he didn't say anything. He just looked at me like, please, let's just don't do this. <laughs> I'm in the elevator too. Could we, could we just kind of not do this? And I think one of the things twos need to learn is that uh, we're we're including other people when we start introducing ourselves to every stranger that we encounter. Th- then the people with us feel like they have to kind of be relational in that way too. And mm-hmm. generally they just don't want to. Mm-hmm. And, and so I go back to the questions that we need to ask ourselves as twos. Um, why am I reaching out to this person? What, if anything, do I expect to get in return? Does the other person want me to reach out? And when I'm with my adult children or Joe or uh, my grandchildren, I'm beginning to ask myself this question. This is the first time I've ever said this publicly, and I've been working on it for about a year. I'm beginning to say to myself, and what am I missing with the people who are with me when I reach out to the people Mm -hmm. I don't know? Well, you're, mm-hmm. you got that going, don't you, Carrie? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, it's like, really? I don't get to see you very often. Do we need to get to know the lady over there in the red dress? Mm-hmm. Is that, am I not interesting enough yeah, yet yeah. to yeah. be with me? Yeah. So, um, let's talk again about how courageous the two of you are since it's, since we're talking about hard stuff. Sure. I, I started with, it's really courageous, <laughs> uh, I think, to do this work. So, Jean, what do you wish your children, you know, we don't, we don't all have to be on Carrie. What do you wish your children knew uh, about you as a, as a mom? Like if you had to very carefully choose some words to put together, maybe three sentences. What do you wish your children knew? 
I would hope that my children know that I absolutely love them for their essence. I know we love people for our personalities and our Enneagrams, but um, I love my children no matter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing they could do or say or or uh, any circumstance that will ever change that. They are my children, and I love them completely. Um, I would hope they know how much I enjoy time with them. Mm-hmm. I would hope that they would um, feel free to um, be as independent as they can possibly be, um, but always be willing to ask for help without thinking that I'm going to overhelp. Yeah. So that they, I would never want my children to think, um, well, gosh, we could ask mom over this afternoon, but she'll stay all afternoon and we'll have to kick her out and that'll be, you know, I would like for them to think that I can have a boundary with them so that they don't ever have to hesitate to take a step towards me for fear that I am going to engulf them. There you go. I know all those things. That's good. good. That's really good. And that's so much. You just articulated so much of the work that mothers of adult children have to do. We have to do that work. And some mothers don't have the tools to do that work or the self-awareness to do that work. So, uh, Carrie, Mm -hmm. what do you wish your parents knew about you as their adult child? That I love them um, and respect them and want to and want to please them still. Sure. That when my schedule seems busy and planned and doing other things things that it would be good to hear hey we're over here make some time for us yeah yeah yep because I think in the planning and um, you know I always know family will be there my family will always be there and so that doesn't get registered in Uh my Mm -hmm. planning but I think that will wake up to call to be like hey We want some of your time too and your time, just not your kids time, which that's tricky too. I think it is tricky. And that, um, and that sometimes when my kids are not behaving and just seem like a lot, sometimes I feel like even embarrassed in front of my parents, even though they know, the kids so well mm-hmm. that uh it's stressful and I kind of pick up and go home you know yeah. let's just go home and get this and I don't know I don't know if I've gotten a message about that or if that's just me and needing to open up and have that conversation about those feelings then mm-hmm. instead of stuffing it that it's not perfect and it's not successful, successful. yeah yeah that it's not the way I had envisioned it or wanted it. Because as a child, with my grandparents, 
I was always doing, I think, doing what I should have been doing. Sure. They want. So, sure. And there's such a difference mm-hmm. in us and our children and Enneagram numbers and all of the things that make up differences. So um, I, I, uh, I knew I would enjoy um, your vulnerability. I knew that um, I would respect you even more after we talked. The thing that I want to offer to anybody who listens and for the two of you is something that I'm really, really working on. And that is I want to make sure in my relationships with my adult children that I have no regrets. You know, Joe had a heart attack that was unexpected and I had a fall that was serious and and the docs kept saying to me, oh, you, you're so lucky that you're alive, right? And it, it, it's not morbid. It just makes you think of, okay, now wait, I want to, I want to relook at everything for a minute. And I think a valuable, valuable question is in real time, this Christmas, this birthday, this Easter, this Tuesday, what do I need to do in this relationship so that I'm not going to have any regrets? And as twos, it really helps us, um, say yes to the right things and no to the right things. And as an aggressive number, I think it will really help you. And you alluded to this twice, uh, to share your feelings in real time. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult for you to share feelings in real time. And I think it's, uh, I think you're going to regret it or already do when, and if you don't. So you two guys, y'all are just great. You're just great. I love to watch you learn together and I love to watch you interact together. And I think it's very tricky to have an adult mother-daughter relationship. I think it's very tricky. And I think we need to respect that. All of us. And I hope what the three of us put out in the world today will help other mothers with adult daughters to do it different or better or um, I hope I have a lot of hope. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. As always, I hope you learned something. Mother-daughter relationships are among the most rewarding, but they're also tricky. For more information about the Enneagram, visit lifeinthetrinityministry.com. If you have questions or comments about today's podcast or any of the others, visit theenneagramjourney.org. I so hope you'll join me again next week. And until then, practice compassion. The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthow. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit theenneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.